Well, good morning. It is good to be with the family. You all are our family. And we are grateful for being in the presence of the Lord and with each other. What a good place to be. We're going to be over in two different places in the Word of God today. First is Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. As we were doing our reading, I always like people just to admit it every once in a while. How many are doing your, your daily reading every day with the, with the church? Going right along. If you're not, get it in, get in on it. It's, uh, just one chapter. Don't try and read a whole lot of chapters. Just try and read one and let God minister to you each day out of that chapter. Well, I was sitting reading, uh, Romans chapter 12 because that was one of our, our readings today. And I saw something in this. And I think I've seen it before, but I really just never spent the, the time on it. And as I was reading, I says, oh, I'm going to enjoy that. And I was thinking I was just going to en- enjoy it myself. And as we got on later on in the week, he says, no, and this ties in with what we're doing here on Sunday. And so um, I kind of leaned myself over to, to spend some time here in Romans chapter 12 with us t- together today. And um, as we got closer to, to Sunday, I think I was thinking about that on maybe Friday considering it. And then it kind of went out of my head. And then I remembered on, on Sunday morning, I said, oh yeah. So I put away the notes that I had for the other stuff and picked up the, no, the, the mental notes anyway that I had on, on this one. And we're going to take a look at some things in Romans chapter 12. But how many people have ever synced up to an internet, to a Wi-Fi system, and could not get access to the internet the way you had before? Synced up to a Wi-Fi, maybe in a restaurant. Maybe you synced up in a Wi-Fi in a hotel and you tried to get access to the internet and you just couldn't get there. There was something you were missing. There was a, they wanted you to log in. You know, sometimes those hotel ones you, you get on and every time you got to log in, it's free, but you still got to log in. And it can be a pain in the neck every time you have to go on there to keep having to log in just to get out there and, and to check something. Sometimes if, um, I've been out in one of those. I don't even mess with it. I just use the, uh, the regular one that your phone is always connected to. Because as soon as you connect into a Wi-Fi, then it disconnects from the, the phone service. And so you're not going to try that way to get to the Internet. And it just you just call it up and it says, well, we can't get there. So you can't check stuff. You can't do stuff that you were used to doing before. Because you got synced up with the wrong thing. Sometimes when we have it in here, you know, we have so many things in the church now that are connected via Wi-Fi. The, uh, the heating systems on both sides are connected in, in Wi-Fi and, and uh, the lights that we have on stage are connected in Wi-Fi. So sometimes I have to pull up my, my phone and, uh, and adjust some of those. I uh, Usually the first part of the service, Brother Keith is taking care of, of all that sort of stuff. But sometimes I, I get over here and, oh, I didn't bring my phone. I can't change the lights out. And uh, I'll come over and I'll bring my phone back. And in order to change the lights on this the system we have, you have to not only be on the internet, you have to be on the same Wi-Fi that the that the lights are on. Well, sometimes I'm coming from next door and my phone's synced up with the Wi-Fi next door. And it comes over here and it's still trying to hang on to that connection next door. It can't do much with it because it's very, very slow. We're, we're so far away. There's walls and, and blockages in between. But it still tries to do that. And so I pull out the phone and I try and change the lights and it says, can't connect. And it took me a little while to figure that out. Why I can't connect? It's because I'm not on the Wi-Fi. I'm on the Wi-Fi over there. I have to actually go in the phone, disconnect from the other one, reconnect with a different one. And then I can get in there and to do that. Because we're synced up with the wrong thing. But we can't necessarily tell that I'm synced up with the wrong thing. It seems like I'm synced up all right. But something just isn't quite, isn't quite right. Something isn't quite there. 
Well, as we ponder this and as we were reading Romans chapter 12, I was, I was looking this over and I says, oh, I understand what he's saying. He is saying that we need to get in sync with what God wants. We need to sync up with the Holy Spirit. And that may seem like a simple truth to you, but the reality of it comes up a little bit different. So we're going to spend some time on Romans chapter 12 here as we look at, at this and uh, to check out some things because there are three different things you can be synced up to. Only one of them is God. Three different things you can be synced up to. The other two won't produce the same thing. We think we're synced, but we're not synced to the right thing. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it reads this way, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Let love be without hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocrite. Because God is not. God is always straightforward with us. And if we are going to be synced up with God, we're going to have that same trait come across, come across with us. If our love is hypocritical, it's not the, the love of God. It's something else that we have connected with. And sometimes you'll see this with believers in that they try and put on a nice face and they try and say all kind of nice sweet things while I'm here. But then when we get away, we say other things. See, that's love that's being hypocritical. That's not how God operates. That's not what he does. He does. So he says right off the bat, let love be without hypocrisy. When Jesus was upset with somebody, did he try and cover it up? No, he was straightforward. Look, I don't like what you're doing over here. I don't like how you teach over here. You're teaching the people to be under the law. I don't like how you uh, you say one thing about the about the Sabbath, but then you do something else. You say that we can't heal on the Sabbath, but you're out there letting, uh, taking care of your, your horses and your donkeys and your mules and such things. And what do you think God cares more about? People or horses, donkeys and mules? And so he's very straightforward with them. He doesn't, uh, doesn't push anything under the rug. If he's upset with them, he lets them know right there and he deals with it. And then he goes on. And if they want to repent, he lets them repent. And to, and to come on back. But that's what he's meaning. Let love be without Hypocrisy, but I want to spend some time here on this this other part. Abhor what is evil. Abhor what is evil. The word there for abhor is actually a compound word. The definition of it is means to utterly detest. This is the only place in the New Testament you will find this word. It's used other places, of course, but not in the New Testament. New Testament, this is it. The compound word means it comes from two things. The first one is apo, which means away. And the other one is sungao, which means to hate. To hate. Away and to hate. When you combine these particular words together, what it means is to despise or hate something so much that you separate yourself from it. Now, we have an example that's going to pop up here on the screen for us of something that people generally Abhor. If you saw that, what would you do? <laughs> we would abhor. We would separate ourselves from it. Because uh, spiders are a good example. Now, not everybody's afraid of spiders. Not everybody doesn't uh, can't stand spiders. I understand that. But most people, it seems like, if you're going to be creeped out by anything, spiders are one of the ones that are up there at the top. And if one, especially one, is all hairy, hairy like that and got fangs, that's going to just mess with you. 
Especially if you saw that crawling on you. And, uh, and for some of us, the size of the spider is, um, uh, is very important. Right? The bigger the spider, the, f- the further we run. We want to separate ourselves. We don't just hate spiders. We want to put a distance between us and the spider. Right? Now, I've, you, many of you have, have told me about this. My daughter is probably one of the, the biggest examples of this. She despises spiders. She has puts that little uh, picture up on the internet every once in a while of the person who burned down the house. But they said, but the spider's dead. <laughs> so they were happy because the spider is, is no longer alive, even though the house is destroyed. This is, uh, this is okay. None of us would, would quite go that way. But if we see the spider coming, if all of a sudden the spider becomes in our view, we don't just calmly say, oh, gross. We move ourselves away from the thing. And that's what this word is trying to communicate. When this word abhor is used, it's saying, I despise these things so much that I put distance between it and me. A lot of distance. As much distance as I can put between me and it. Now, my granddaughter has not quite picked up the aversion, the total uh, hatred of spiders. We were playing with spiders the other day. She called me over. I'm not sure if it was on Thanksgiving. It might have been on Thanksgiving Day. She called me over because over by where the fish tank is, there was a spider. There were two spiders, and she was still there. And she uh, she says, uh, pop up, there's a spider over here. And so I came on over, and I said, where? And she goes right up to it and says, there. It was a live spider. And so, but it was halfway underneath of the fish tank. And so I took my finger and I put it on one of the spider's legs and I pulled it out so that we could deal with it. Well, it came out right at her, right at her. And it, it hit her foot and she just saw it. It says, there it is. <laughs> now, how many of you would do that? <laughs> there it is. And so, you know, we uh, took care of the spider and, and uh, put him into a state of which he would not harm anyone. But that wasn't it. She said, there's also another one right over here. Still not moving. She's still just, just hanging out there. And um, and we took care of that one as well. But you see, here's, here's the thing. We can have some things. I don't like them in my house. But I'm okay with hanging around them. That's not what this word is talking about. You see, the spider caused enough concern to my granddaughter that she wanted it dealt with. But I don't have to leave the room. Or the area. And if it comes near me, I'm okay with that. Whereas someone else, like my daughter, who would say, I cannot be in the same room. It must, uh, either it must go or I am. That's what that word is talking about. When it says abhor, it means I don't even want this thing in the same vicinity with me. He says, I want you to abhor what is evil. Does that give you a good picture of what this word means? Get it away from you. Abhor. So if spiders are not your kryptonite, think of something else that you just utterly despise and need to get out of the vicinity. So for some of you, it might be leafy green vegetables. <laughs> and if that's the case, you can use leafy green vegetables instead of spiders. But whatever it might be, uh, you know, four-footed furry things that you might like, not like, and want to get away from them. Whatever it might be. Think about that whenever you see this word. Abhor what is evil. Now the word there for evil is a particular word. 
that means anything that is full of destruction, disaster, harm, or danger. Poneros. You probably have heard me use that word before. It is a very common word for evil. It is used, I believe, over 75 times in the New New Testament. It's used a lot. Anything that is full of destruction, disaster, harm, evil. This is what this this is talking about. Anything that is full of destruction, disaster, harm, or danger. When you see that, you do not want to even be in the same room. I need to get rid of either it's going or I am. Abhor what is evil. You see, if we get in sync with God, when we see evil that is dangerous, that is harmful, we say, I cannot be around this. It must go or I'm leaving. Now, generally with Jesus, the evil had to go. He he got rid of the evil. And that's generally the way you're going to try and, and uh, take care of that. You know, get rid of the spider. Don't get rid of the house or the guests that are there. Abhor what is evil. Now, then he goes on. He doesn't just say abhor what is evil. He says cling to what is good. The word here for, for cling is kalao, which means to glue or cement something together. It is a permanent connection. So in the abhor, get yourself as far away, separated from this as you can. Cling. Get yourself into a permanent connection. A connection in which you will not be separated from. Now generally, whenever we glue something together, it's something that we want to remain together permanently. We don't just glue it together. Well, I'm just going to glue this together and then come back and, and undo it later. If we want to do that, no, we have other things that we use. Scotch tape stuff like that, stuff that can be peeled back off. But when we generally glue something together, it's because I want it to stay there. And we have all kinds of glues that are out there to to glue certain things. Glues for wood, glues for plastic, glues for glass, glues for paper, all sorts of stuff. Cling to what is good. The word there for good is the Greek word we've covered many, many, many times. Good in benefit or effect. Good in benefit or effects. When you find those things that have a good benefit in your life, when you find those things that are good in that way, take those and become permanently joined with them. But when you find those things that are dangerous, harmful, separate yourself as far away from that as you can. Don't be content to be in the same room with it. Don't be content to let it hang around. Make sure you get rid of it with everything in you. Get rid of that thing from your presence. That's what you need to do. So do we have that down? Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. This is important to know for the rest of the verses. He says, let love be without hypocrisy because that's how God operates. Abhor What is evil, cling to what is good. Now, I put this in your outline for you. You can be synced to one of three things. First thing you'll be synced to is God through the Holy Spirit. You can be synced to God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who syncs us to God the Father, ties us in together, that, uh, that we know the thoughts and the mind of God. 
That's his role. That's his, his job. Here's a, the second place thing that we can be synced to is our flesh nature. Our flesh nature. There's a third thing we can be synced to, to, and that is Satan's kingdom. But generally, you're going to be synced to one of those three things. You're going to be synced to God, the flesh nature, and if you're thinking, what about the world? Well, the world is very much the same thing as your flesh nature. It's probably more, more akin to your flesh nature than it is to the kingdom of Satan. Then, of course, the, the kingdom of Satan. Now, when, when Peter was synced with the Holy Spirit, Jesus said to him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And, of course, that was through the Holy Spirit. But then shortly after that, he pulled him aside and he said, you ought not to be teaching this way. And what did he say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Because he went from being synced to God to being synced to the kingdom of Satan. And he didn't know it. He had no idea that he had switched. Now, when the disciples were sent out, when he sent out the 70, and they went out and they, they cast out demons and they laid hands on people and they were healed, they came back to Jesus and said, Master, even the demons are subject to us through your name. And of course, he said, you know, don't marvel at this, marvel that your names are written in the book of life and, and so forth. But then they came, I believe it was Mark chapter 9, they came upon a, a case and the three had gone up with Jesus and the nine had stayed back. And they had come to a, a, a place where this, this uh, uh, person was brought to them. This man brought his, I believe his son, and he said uh, he had epilepsy. And he said, hey, we asked them to, to take care of this, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't heal him. And so then Jesus said, well, bring them here to me. He said, oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring them here to me. So he brought them here to, to him, and uh, he cast out the demon. And later on, the disciples said, how come we could not cast it out? Remember they asked that question? Well, they were, they were not just trying to heal epilepsy. They were trying to cast out a demon spirit. They knew what the problem was. And they had addressed it the same way they had done before. Because you'll see that the situation where he had sent them out occurred before this story. So they already had been given authority, had already walked in it. And they were kind of surprised. Why did it not go? And he said simply, because of your unbelief. You see, at that point, they had gone from being synced into God to being synced into their flesh. Well, in your flesh, they don't have to submit to you. Under your, under, in your flesh, they can do whatever they want to. Just like the seven sons of Sceva came up and they tried to cast out demons, you know, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And they said, we know Paul. We know Jesus. We don't know you. They jumped on them and beat them up. That didn't, uh, that didn't work out so well. You don't have authority over demon spirits and over the kingdom of Satan when you're, when you're synced with your flesh. You lose authority. Just like I lose authority connecting it to these lights. Because I'm synced to the wrong Wi-Fi network. I have all the right passwords. I have all the right software. But I'm synced to the wrong network. You can't do it. It seems that everything's normal, but it's not. Something is different. And so we've got to make sure that we are synced into the right thing. When you sink into your flesh nature, doubts will dominate you. When you're synced into the Spirit, 
Faith will dominate you. Love will dominate you. But not, not in these other places. That's what, we need to, that's what we need to do. Glory to God. Well, let's go on in this and take a look at some, some others. Oh, I put this, uh, this is not in your outline. I just kind of made this note down, down here at the bottom. If you want to summarize these, these particular things, you can look at it this way. You can be synced to good, you can be synced to flesh, or you can be synced to evil. Good, flesh, or evil. So if you want to just summarize it that way, keep it in your own mind. God is good. What else is good? Jesus even said this. You call me good. What else is good but God? <laughs> God's the good one. So just, just keep that in mind. Let's go on here to the next verse, verse 10, and read what it has to say. Verse, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Now, understand this. Being in sync with God will cause us to cling to what is good and to abhor what is evil when we are synced with God. When we get out of sync with God is when we become attached to some wrong things and some wrong people steering us in a wrong direction. Being out of sync with God will also, the, the enemy, your flesh, can cause you to be separated from people that will help you. Joined to people who will hurt you. As well as things and traits that you might, eat, might, might be doing. So let's take a look at some, some signs that I can tell whether I am in sync. Because it sure would be nice to be able to tell. Just like with my phone, if I suddenly can't control these lights, my first thought now is, I must not be in sync with the right network. And I know where to go right there. But I know the first week that happened, I couldn't figure it out. I actually went and uninstalled the entire app. Reinstalled the whole app to try and get past it. And it worked. And I thought, well, I guess I found the problem. <laughs> I'm not sure why it worked. But somehow it switched over to the to a different network that it was supposed to be on. And it gave me that, that indication. But you see, there's, there's ways that you can tell I'm synced to the wrong thing. When we're synced to the wrong thing, the wrong stuff is being brought out of us. It's the wrong stuff that's being brought out of us. And that's not something that we want to we wanna have going on. Glory to God. We got a little guy who's, who's ready to wake up. Amen. <laughs> He's special. He gets, better, he gets different treatment than, than some of the others do. <laughs> Glory to God. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Now, agape love, we all know agape love, right? Agape is the God kind of love. This is the kind of love where you love despite the, the nature of the other person. Brotherly love is actually the people that I like them. You like the people. Now, how many of you know that you can agape some people that you don't necessarily like? Don't raise your hand, but you have probably been called on to agape some people that you don't necessarily like. He says right here, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Don't raise your hand on this one, but how many of you can think of some brothers in brothers and sisters in the Lord that you have a difficult time being kindly affectionate to? <laughs> but here's in the word, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. That's a command from God. 
Paul's telling us to do this. Because if we sync up with God through the Holy Spirit, one of the things that we will do is we will walk in this kindly, kind affection with brotherly love. It will just be there in you. You have some affection that you didn't have otherwise. When I get connected to my flesh, that kindness is out the window. Unless I enjoy you, I am not going to phileo you. I am not going to have brotherly affection for you. For someone that I don't enjoy, uh-uh, not going to do it. But here, when we get synced up with God, this is one of the things we can do. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. So he's saying this, don't just be up there, oh, hi, Vanessa, you look so pretty today. Oh, I really like that dress. Oh, your hair. And we, don't just be kindly affectionate inside. You're saying, I wish I didn't have to be here. I want to go over here and talk to somebody that I like. I like Vanessa. I can do. I can pick on her because she knows I do. <laughs> but be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Now, some of you may say, man, that's a tall order because I know some people in the body of Christ and I'm having difficulty. I'm having difficulty with them. All right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But get synced up with God and these things will be easier. In honor, giving preference to one another. It is very difficult for most Christians to understand and walk in what honor is. We're not going to get into a whole lot of that here today. Maybe on another another week. I was meditating on this in, in sync stuff. I was finding out more than we're going to get into today. We'll, we'll see if we get into it a second week. But it's really important as far as pulling those things out of you that are in you. Because if you're synced up to the wrong network, so to speak, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pull out the right things. In honor, giving preference to one another. Most times, we give honor to ourselves and preference to ourselves and certain ones that have met with our approval. That's not how we're supposed to go. When I get in sync with God, this is what will flow out of me. When I am finding it hard to have affection because my flesh nature is getting in the way and you got, you got me upset. You got me, uh, uh, I don't, I don't like this that's going on with you. I don't like how you dress. I don't like how you speak. I don't like, we like, we find different things we don't like. We can't get past them. In honor, giving preference to one another. And this is, this is something we need to walk in. Now we want to keep, keep going on here. Let's, uh, let's go over here to the next one. This is, uh, these, this first section of things that he's talking about is talking about our actions. These are all actions. These are all things that I, I do. Being kindly affectionate to one another with brother love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That there should be a diligence that is there with me. That I don't just let things go. Well, you know, maybe eventually I'll get to that. No, there's a diligence that is there. If um, whatever it is that I do for the Lord, I put diligence with it. Just like with work, whatever I do for work, I'm diligent with it. I make sure that I learn how to do that. I make sure that I'm always learning so I can make it even better. Not lagging in diligence. When I get connected with God, I won't lag. I won't get lazy. I will be diligent. 
If you woke up and you're going into work and going to work and you're not as enthusiastic about going into work as you were before, guess what happened? Something is going on at work that is causing you to disengage from being synced with God. Is that work's fault or is it yours? Before you answer that, think about this. Does God ever give us a good reason why we should not be joined up with Him? Does not. No matter how rude the customers are, no matter how rude the employees are, no matter how much I don't like the work, I've got to be diligent. I've had some jobs in my... I haven't had that many jobs in my my, uh, life, but I've had some jobs. One job in particular, it tested my diligence. Oh, I'll tell you what, it tested my diligence because it was a boring job. I didn't like what we were doing. Very repetitive. I didn't enjoy it. And um, I had to keep coming in and finding ways to get myself enthusiastic about doing these particular things. And I remember one time they broke me on it because I was going in there. I said, all right, we're going to go through and I'm going to get these things done faster than they expect me to. And I did. I kept getting them done faster than they expected me to. And one time the boss just said to the guy who was over over me, he said, will you give that guy something to keep him busy, busier for longer than an hour? He was just frustrated. I just kept getting through. So they did. It took me days to get through it. They gave me something and it was boring. I, I had no hope. There's no hope I can get through this today. I just have to take on as much as I can. And then the next day, take on as much as you can. And the next day, take on as much as I can. It was boring stuff. And it tested me on this on this very principle. But you see, if they can get me to disengage from my father, the fault is on me. It's not on them. I had to find a way to stay engaged and to keep on doing it. All right. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, how do we serve the Lord? By serving others. I serve the Lord by serving others. That's how we do it. So I need to continue to serve the Lord by serving others. I got to do it with fervence. What can discourage you from being, uh, from serving other people? Their attitude? That can get, get at you. Uh, how receptive they are? How thankful they are? I don't know about you. But that, that can sometimes be my Achilles heel. If they're not very thankful, I'm thinking, well, I'll see if I ever do that again. <laughs> right? <laughs> Doesn't that come up on the inside of you too? Oh, a, nothing gets me more than that one, not being thankful. I, I, I stop looking. God, did you tell me to do that? I stop looking at that and I can sometimes just switch over and says, well, God may have told me to do it, but you just told me I'm never going to do it again. <laughs> that's wrong. I'm not saying that that's right. That's not the way to go about it. If God said to do it, whether they are grateful or not, God is grateful. And we have to stay stay on, on that part. But um, I know God likes to see people being grateful too. So it's, it's not wrong that you want to see that or that you're looking for it because we get synced up with God. God likes people that are grateful. Remember the, the ten lepers? One came back, what's he said? Where's the other ones? How come only one of you came back to say thank you? I kind of think he is expecting some gratitude. Now, they didn't lose what they had because God told them to do it. Remember, Jesus only did what he saw the Father do and he only said what he heard the Father say. So if he went out and he healed those guys, what, did he, what does that tell us? That it came from the Father. And if the Father said to do it, 
regardless of how they respond. So they didn't lose their healing. Now some people, they, they look at the, this broke down. I've heard it taught this way. And I, I don't say that because I don't believe it. I'm just telling you, uh, I've, I've heard it taught this way, that only one was made whole, the others were healed. Because it said to him, he was made whole. So whatever he lost during leprosy was, was restored, whereas the other nine, they didn't get that. Well, I don't think if, if that was the case, he wasn't restored until he made it back and said thank you. And that was apparently open for the other ones. But they didn't, they didn't take it. So it's always good to be grateful. But just understand, if God tells you to do something for somebody and they are not grateful, that does not mean you miss God. Because God has given many things to people and there was no gratitude. That wasn't there. So don't lose sight of that. But fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So keep serving people. Yeah, but I don't like... Did God tell you to serve them? Well, yeah. All right, then keep doing it. Because you serve God by serving people. Some of those people are going to be fun people to serve and some of those people are not. It's all right. Verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. Be rejoicing. When you are synced up with God, your natural state is one of rejoicing. Because I've always got the hope of His calling. I've always got the hope of what God has painted for me in the Word of God. And I am rejoicing. When I am synced up with God, I am in a mode of being rejoicing. When I lose that rejoicing, guess what? I have probably become unconnected, disconnected, unsynced somewhere. Get back in sync. Rejoice, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Patient in tribulation. When trials and troubles come upon you, when you are synced with God through the Holy Spirit, patience will just be there. How many have ever been in a tribulation period? Bad things going on. And you can feel your patience being separated from you. I'm getting aggravated. I'm getting annoyed that this is going on. We see something is coming in and it's causing you to be disconnected from God. Because my rejoicing is going down. Tell you what, you can even rebuke somebody and still be rejoicing on the inside in your spirit. You can still have that rejoicing going on. And you can tell that easily because once you've spoken what God has said, that you just you can just go right into rejoicing. Right into being glad. Jesus did it. I mean, He dealt with some people very sternly. And then bang, He's, he's over there teaching, leading worship, whatever it was He was doing. He'd go right into it. It didn't affect him. You see, if you got into a place where you got into rebuke, had to rebuke some things, had to change, and you came away from that and you're just agitated. You're just angry. Ever had that? You had to deal with something. You came away, you're agitated. You're angry. Oh man, I got to work this thing out. Oh man, I'm just feeling all this stuff on the inside. See, I got disconnected. I may have, may think what I did was by the hand of God, but I got disconnected. If you got disconnected in doing it, then more than likely the things you said and the things you did were not by the unction of the Holy Spirit. You got disconnected. Don't ever rebuke, correct, whatever it might be that you think you have to do without being connected to the Holy Spirit. Father God, I have to go in. I have to say these things. I thank you that you speak to me. And I hear your voice. Because if you do that, you can come right out of it. Go right into rejoicing. 
patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Now, don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you have ever gotten to a place where you're so aggravated with what's going on that you couldn't even pray? Maybe you even said this to God. God, I am so mad. I can't even pray right. See, I got disconnected. Because when you're connected with the Holy Spirit, you can always pray. You can always be in a state of prayer. Verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints and given the hospitality. Distributing to the needs of the saints. When you find people out there and they need some things, I don't sit there and say, well, I wonder if they miss God. <laughs> you see, this, and we're not talking about the world here. He said saints. You see the saints in trouble and you go on out there and says, we need to, to step in and help take care of this. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. You like having people come over. You like being hospital with them. You like enjoying their company, doing things for them. That's a state. Those are the, some of the things you will do when you are in the state of being connected to God by the Holy Spirit. Here's the next one. Our attitudes in verse 14. He says, bless those who persecute you. When I was meditating on this before and I was reading this, this is the part that jumped out at me. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, when people come up and they persecute you, what is the natural reaction that we would have? If they come up and they cut you down, cut your family down, cut down your work, cut down something, there's no basis to it. They just cut you up. They just cut you down. They're persecuting you. How many of you does it rise up on the inside? Man, I just, I just want to bless them. Oh, see, your flesh nature rises up and says, oh, I'm going to get them. I can, I'm going to find a way and get that. Because just by them coming in and persecuting you, they got you to disconnect from this being in sync with the Holy Spirit. And now you are either in sync with your flesh or the enemy's kingdom. And I am plotting what to do. How many times did the Pharisees be in a church service where Jesus is teaching, ministering to people, healing people, and they came out of it, how can we kill him? And they didn't see any any flow because they became disconnected. Jesus did godly things and it caused them to connect more with the, not just their flesh, they would just go right on in and be connected to the enemy's kingdom. Bless those who persecute you, bless and not curse. When I am in sync with God, my natural response when somebody comes and persecutes me is to bless them. Hmm. This is a little much, isn't it? Now, when Jesus was on the cross and the guys there were nailing his hands to the, to the wood and his feet and they had mocked him and they had beaten him and they put the crown of thorns on his head, how many of you would think that would classify as persecution? And out of Jesus' mouth, he said, Father, don't hold this against them. They don't know what they're doing. Hmm. Paul got beaten, stoned. They thought he was dead, carried him outside, dumped him in the, outside the city. He got back up 
and went into the city. If Why would Paul go back into the city? I have a couple of choices. One to go, nah, 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 nah. But I don't think that was it. <laughs> I don't think that was his idea. I think he went back in to bless some more people. To help them out with the, with the gospel message. He said, I'm going to leave on my own terms, not on yours. I'm here to do what God said to do and I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm going to serve God by serving people. Even if you did try and kill me. He came back into the city and did that. So blessing, not cursing. If I'm synced with my flesh, if I am synced with the enemy's kingdom, I want to take people who persecute me and I want to curse them. But when I'm synced with God and they come at me with persecution, I bless them. I go home and I pray for them. Father so-and-so is really persecuting me for the gospel over at work. I just pray, whatever it is, you're, you're doing something to him, ministering to him. I'm praying for his spirit right now. That Father, while he's there at night, you just minister to him that, that he would be receptive to the gospel. That people would come along his path, minister to him, get him saved. And when he turns his life over and he becomes saved and he, he comes to you and says, I'm sorry, I've been persecuting you. I got saved last night. God has sent, sent somebody over. They presented the gospel message to me. Now, if I'm synced with my flesh, it says, well, I've been telling you the gospel message for a while. Why don't you get saved when I talk to you? That's synced with the wrong one. Synced with the right one says, glory to God and I rejoice with those who rejoice. I am glad for this one. I'm not glad because, well, I would have been happier if you would have gotten saved because I did. I would have been one on my record. <laughs> don't be messing with that. I'm not synced with the right thing. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Have you ever had someone, maybe in the body of Christ, maybe even outside the body of Christ, and they have been a thorn in your side? They have been a problem. And all of a sudden they come into the office and they announce good news. We just sold our house. For $10,000 more than we were asking. And on the inside of you, if you are synced to your flesh, you may go, oh, well, that's nice. And inside I'm going, you shouldn't have that. That money should not be, you should not have sold your house for that much money. See, I'm not rejoicing with those who rejoice. But when I'm synced with God, when I hear good news, I just rejoice. I don't think about all the bad, nasty things they've done that have caused me to, trying to cause me to get synced with something else. I'm staying in sync with God. And good things are coming out. See, the whole, whole premise of this series is to get what's on the inside of you there already out. To bring it out. And what you are synced to determine how easy it is to get those good things out. Stay synced with God. It's real easy to get the, get the right thing. All right. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, if you have that same person and they come in and they announce some tragic news that happened in their life. Hey, my house burnt down. Oh, man, it's all gone. You may out, outwardly go, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And inwardly you're going what? Glory to God, you got yours. 
See, I'm synced with the wrong thing. I'm synced with either my flesh or the enemy's kingdom. If I'm synced with God, when I see people that weep, even though they have done things and maybe I think they, they might even deserve some of those things, I'm still sad. I weep with those who weep. If a co-worker comes in, they've been a particularly tough co-worker to work with, and they come to their desk and they say, they just fired me. I'm here to pack out my stuff. Outwardly, if I'm synced to the flesh, outwardly I say, oh, that's so sad. Inwardly, this is my happy day. I wait for them to leave and I do the dance of joy. Get that little Snoopy, little dance, send it out to all your friends. Glory to God, my enemy is gone. But you see, if you're synced with God, we rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. It's a sign. It's an attitude. Verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Be of the same mind toward one another. This is the mindset you need to have with everyone. You can't go around saying, all right, you I see as worthy, you I see as unworthy, and have a different mind around all of them. He says, no, treat everyone. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. If I find somebody, and maybe they, they're not as well off as somebody else is. They don't have as many things as, as other people do. They, um, they don't bring as many things to the table much stuff as I can enjoy. But I, I still, I associate with all of them because I am the same mind toward one another. We're not talking about the world in this one. He said one another. We're talking about in the body of Christ because you shouldn't have real close associations with those who are not in the body of Christ. You have associations with them, but not the real close ones. They're supposed to come from the body. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things Don't have that attitude in your mind. I am deserving of this. But associate with the humble. And do not be wise in your own opinion. It is real easy for Christians to think my opinion is the correct one. I alone have heard from God. And no one else. I've heard from God. If you do not see this, (laughs) and we begin to we begin to see different things. We go different directions. No, we don't need to do that. We need to go in a, in a, in a good... Don't be wise in your, own, in your own opinion. Every time we go after something, Father God, I know that my wisdom is nothing, but as long as I stay synced with you and you tell me the things to do, it's, it's going to be good. I have wisdom in that. But don't ever come into the, to the thing, well, I, I know what's going on here. I know what ought to happen here. That's what happened in the Corinthian church. Paul said to him, he wrote to him and he says, how is it that all of you come in with a word, with a tongue, with an interpretation, with a spiritual song? How is it that all of you can come in with that? He says, no, no, no. Two or three ought to come in with a prophecy and let the rest sit and judge. That's what he said. That's scripture. But then people will come up and say, you know, two or three people may have already given a word. Well, I got a word. Yeah, but the word of God, well, but I got a word and I know it's from God. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be doing it. Sometimes we get this idea that just because I got something from God, 
And I think it's from God. I ought to just share it. I ought to just be able to, to share it. We've had people all through the years here, and I've seen it in other churches too, that they get something from God, they think they got something from God, and I need to do it. I need to, to do what God told me to do. And that's not the way that it goes. When I served as an assistant pastor, as a youth pastor, was in, on staff in churches, when I did that, if God, if I felt God gave me something, I'd let the pastor know, and if the pastor said, that's not, that's not here, that's not for today. Or he didn't think so. I didn't go off from there and say, well, he's not very spiritual. Well, he missed God. I didn't give it another thought. If I said something and I, I made him know, let him know, I think I have something. And he said, that's, that's not for today. I never thought of it again. I made sure I put it out of my head. I'm not going to sit here and second guess him and, and say, well, he shouldn't have done this because that's just going to uh, be problems with me. I'm getting connected to the wrong thing. I understand what Paul was saying in Corinthians is some of you got something in the area of a prophecy and it wasn't from God. Is he not saying that? How is it that all of you have a prophecy? Isn't that, isn't that what he's saying? Some of you have missed it. Some of you have, don't, do not have this downright. It's wrong. And we have to submit to those, to those particular things and see where the, the right place is for it. See, sometimes God will share something with me like I shared with you when I was reading through. Oh, I think that was just for me. No, most times I assume if he shares something with me, it's for me. If I continue to meditate on it and I see where it begins to go into another place, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's for more than just me. But just because God shared something really good for you doesn't mean it's really good for anybody else. It was just really good for me. And we can accept that. Don't, don't be wise in your own opinion. Don't get yourself up there and say, well, I got something from God and nobody let me do it. Tell you what, you're going to be, you you got synced to the wrong network. But you still think it's the right one. Remember the, John wrote to us and he said, don't believe all the spirits, but test them to see if they be of God. That means that there are some things going on in the spirit that you will hear that are not from God and you need to test them and to find out, is this from God because it, it may not be don't be wise in your own opinion let's keep going verse 17 repay no one evil for evil have regard for good things in the sight of all men now this goes back to blessing and cursing if I see evil don't repay it don't, re- don't repay that you have, to, uh, you have to get out now when I first went to college I did not ad- adopt this mentality it took me a little while, but my roommate got me to the place where I would return evil for evil. If they did one thing to me, I magnified it. And, and you didn't want to get on my bad side. I mean, we, I think I told you the stories of my first semester at college where we, it escalated so much that one of the last things that was done, not the last thing, but one of the last things, I will mention to that here, was done to us. I won't tell what our retaliation was. Because remember, I got back into the evil for evil. But the, the thing they did to us was they punched out a panel in our door. We had a three-panel door. And they came up to it and they punched it, knocked the panel completely out, and threw into our room an M80 in a, in a powder bomb. Threw it into the room. They threw a bomb into our room. Fortunately, while we were sleeping. 
Now, of course, we woke up as soon as we heard the door being punched out. But you, know, you just wake up. You're not uh, that cognizant of all the things that are going on. On with that. And the the powder bomb with the M80. An M80 is, I've been told this anyway, it's equivalent to a quarter stick of dynamite. Firework stuff that you, you set off. And so this thing came rolling into our room and went under my roommate's bed. It exploded under his bed. That was a good place for it to explode. If you're going to have a powder bomb explode anywhere, underneath someone's bed is the best place. Because all the powder stayed under the bed. <laughs> Didn't go all over the room. It was, a, it was a good thing. We did retaliate. No explosives were used, but the message was clear. <laughs> so, see, I got into evil for evil. I learned how to, how to do that. Now, I had a very innocent looking face. And so for the longest time, no one understood that I was replaying any evil at all. And I could just, I mean, I don't know what happened. Where in the word that, what, what, no idea. Well, after a while, they all got wise to the fact that it, it wasn't just my roommates. I was actually instigating some of this stuff and I was involved. And so the, some of the fire got turned towards me. That was all right. I was up to the challenge. <laughs> and we had some interesting times in that first semester at, uh, at, uh, at college. I think it calmed down a little bit after that because it got a little dangerous. And we didn't want it to be, we didn't want anybody getting hurt. Well, most of us didn't want anybody getting hurt. But see, evil for evil, this isn't a good thing to do. To do. You want to get to a place where you, where you don't, because things escalate. And they keep getting worse and worse. But he said this, don't repay evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. You see, if you're going to repay, if you're going to repay evil for evil, that means I have a regard for evil things. I think this evil thing is something that I should embrace and send out. That's the only way I can repay evil for evil is to take the evil, embrace it, and send it out. But he says, no, don't do that. Don't repay evil for evil. Have regard for good things. Have regard for good things. That's an evil thing. What should I do with evil? Abhor what is evil. Get it away from you. Cling to what is good. Here he says, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. So, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things. I put this in your outline about this. This is not not repayment but sowing. I'm not going to repay evil for evil. I am going to sow what is good. Going to sow what is good. We get into the flesh mentality. I'm always thinking repayment. You did this to me. I will do this to you. But in the spirit realm, it's sowing. We sow into someone. Jesus came down to evil men and sowed good seed. He sowed the word. He sowed healing. He sowed ministry. All sorts of good things. He came in and he sowed to the people. He had regard for good things. So not repayment, but sowing. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. All. That would include the world, folks. That would include the world. That would include those that are in the body of Christ. Live peaceably. Now, he says this because he knows there are some people that you cannot live peaceably with. Paul, if anyone should know this, Paul should. 
He'd just show up, start preaching the gospel, getting people healed, cast out demons, and Jewish people from his from a town before would come over and stir the crowd up against them. So he understood this probably better than than most. As much as is possible. He understands it is not possible with everyone. Some people are just going to be that way. But that's all right. As much as is possible. As much as depends on you. Live peaceably with all men. Don't go out there setting fires. Don't say things to people that you know they're not going to receive just to stir up trouble. You know they're not going to receive it. Just just walk away from it. That's where he says here, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. The part that depends on them, they're going to keep stirring it up. I can't change that. I can only do what is, is with me. There's no promise in there that they're going to stop doing it. Remember Paul? I prayed to the Lord that, that he would take this away from me. And he didn't. It stayed with him. As much as depends on you. All right, let's keep on going here. Verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place, or, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Coals of fire on his head. That's, that's much better. Now we, don't do this with the intention. Well, what can I do to get them back? I know. I'll do something nice so they feel really bad. That's not the idea. Let God take care of the vengeance. He says, don't avenge yourselves. Don't sit there figuring out how I can do evil for evil. Don't figure out how you can uh, take something evil and send it their way. Nope. Keep selling good things for them. Don't avenge yourselves. Don't give place to wrath. Or, but rather, give place to wrath. Give it the right place. It's with God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God, I, you'll take care of this one. I'm not going to waste any thought on it, take any energy. I'm not going to brace anything that is evil that I would send their way. I'm not going to do it. And if you find out that your enemy is hungry, there's an opportunity. See, I'm looking for opportunities. How can I bless those that have cursed me? How can I do it? And if I find that opportunity, I go out there and I, I do that. They, there's no guarantee they're going to receive it. They may say, I still hate you. I just smile and say, that's all right. That's fine. I'm just here to help you out with this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now I want to give you a taste. Well, we've been, sorry, we didn't finish this. Verse 21. Do not be, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If I do not abhor what is evil, if I embrace it, I will be overcome by it. If I return evil for evil, I will be overcome by it. I have to embrace the good and I will not be overcome by evil. I cannot just quote, overcome evil with good. I've got to do what he said to do, not embrace the evil not repay evil for evil. I've got to do what he said to do. i got to be in sync with God. i got to take that sync going on. Father God, whatever's going on in your kingdom, it's going on in me. We're, we're in sync. We're, uh, we're, we're together. 
Now, anymore, we have things that, that sync up beside phones and stuff like that. I think I've told you about it before. I love Evernote. Anybody ever download Evernote to their phone? I love Evernote. Because you see, I can be on my phone and I can find a quote that I like and I can save it to Evernote. And when I go back on my computer later on, it's there. I didn't have to do anything. It was there. And I just use the free one. The free one will let you sync in two devices. If you pay for it, you can sync as many devices as you want. And you can have a, a tablet and a phone and a couple of different computers. And they can all be in sync. That when you, you uh, save that thing, it goes over there. I have a Bible program that I particularly like. And if you ever, anyone's ever looking for a good Bible program, Olive Tree, I think, is about the best one that's out there I've seen for the phones. I love Olive Tree. I like the way it looks. I like the way it behaves. There are still some things that it's not my go-to app for uh, Bible study when I'm getting things ready for, for uh, church and stuff like that. It's not my go-to app for that. But if I just want to sit down and read the Word, that's my go-to app for that. It's just wonderful for it. And even when we're reading along, I can put a bookmark on where I stopped for our, our daily reading. And I can pick up um, my, my iPad and it, it is synced to the same spot wherever I left off. And I can go over my computer and it'll sync to the same spot I left off on the other two. And if I make a new bookmark and delete an old bookmark, it syncs it right up all over. Every single one of these things, they all sync with each other. Every time I turn them on, they sync with what was there before. Every time I turn them off, they sync with what has gone on before. So whenever I open them up, they're always the same. They're there. Oh, I tell you what, I, I enjoy that, that aspect of it. It's been, a, it's been a good thing. But staying in sync. You see, when God has a plan for someone, we sync with it. It comes right down to me. When he has a plan for me, I'm in sync with it. It just comes right to me. And that's how God wants us to be. But if I'm not, if I get synced with my own flesh, or as Peter did, gets synced with the kingdom of Satan, what I think is God's plan got synced right in with what I'm doing. And I couldn't tell that it was something different. In Numbers chapter 13, I'm not going to go over the whole story here with you. This is a familiar story to you. Way back in the beginning of this chapter, Moses had said, select one person from each tribe and we're going to send them in as spies into the land. And so they sent them in as spies and the whole way they're coming to the promised land. What is it that God has told them about the promised land? There is one particular phrase that he uses all the time about the promised land. God, every time he speaks about this promised land, he has said this. He said it to the patriarchs. He said it to them on their way in the wilderness. He has always said this one phrase. I will lead you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I will lead you. It will be a good land. You will live in houses that you did not have to build. You will drink from wells that you did not have to dig. You will be protected by walls that you did not have to build. It'll, you're going to walk in and all this is going to be done. It's an exceedingly good land, he said. A land that flows with milk and honey. We were listening to a my wife and I were listening to a teaching recently by um, Brother Keith, Brother Keith Moore. And he was singing this, uh, he, he got into this song, he was saying that they, uh, he and his wife would sit down and watch a Disney, animated Disney, every once in a while. 
And so he's talking about this particular one. It's not one of my favorites. It's not one that I have viewed all that often. In fact, I don't know the last time I ever saw this. And he began to sing a song from it that I didn't even recall. But some of you might, who have uh, who have been in there. And he said this particular one, it was one of the movies about cats, which it might be the reason that I haven't seen it a whole lot. But anyway, they they said the the cats they were all over in uh, Paris or they were over in uh, uh, Europe somewhere, and they were singing this song. And you might have to help me out with the lyrics on it because it was a little while ago that I heard him tell this story. <laughs> but he said they were coming to America, where the streets are paved with, jeez, no, it wasn't cats, it was mice. I'm sorry, cats were involved, but there was the the story was about mice. Fievel, I think, was the uh, either the name of the movie or the lead character. And so the streets are paved with cheese. And there are no cats in America. So they would go around, they would sing this song. The streets are paved with cheese. And there are no cats in America. And then they got to America. And what happened? There's cats in America. And the streets are not paved with cheese. And what they've been told all this time, it wasn't there anymore. I forget why he was talking about that particular thing, but I'm telling, this is why I'm telling you. When God said, this is how it's going to be, God meant, this is how it's going to be. So the 12 spies went out into the land to check out what was out there, what they needed to do. Are the cities fortified? Uh, who's, what are the inhabitants like? What kind of armament do they have? What is, what is the land like? And so they came back and so they, verse 26, now they departed and came back to Moses as part of the land they went to spy out. Came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. Is that not what God said? And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong and cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying, The land though through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak from the, came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now what did God say about the land? It is a land that flows with milk and honey. He did warn them that the giants were there, but he said, I have given you the land. They will not be able to stand before you. He told them this. That's what God said. They came back with this report. We agree with God that it is a land that flows with milk and honey. We disagree with God that we were able to overcome it. Caleb and Joshua came up and said, no, 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 no. We can't overcome it. God said we can overcome it. We can't overcome it. They came back and they said, we are not able to. The land devours its inhabitants. Basically, they will devour us. You see what happened? 
twelve people went into the land. And I'm sure when they left, they were all synced with God. They were all excited. We are going into the promised land. We are going to spy out the land that God has given us. But when they got there, they began to see some things that caused them to no longer be synced to what God had to say. And they became synced with something else. And their thinking about the land changed. All this time wandering the wilderness, God has given us the land. God has given us the land. The land is ours. God has given us the land. And then when they saw what they were going to be up against, they saw the walled cities, they saw the giants, they saw the things that they used for warfare, and they began to say, no, we can't go up and take it. You see, they went from being synced to the Spirit of God to being synced with either their flesh or very likely the enemy because the enemy wants to destroy them and wants to bring them into a place of doubt and unbelief. And they accepted that new connection. And they came out with these things. So what did the ten say about the land? Not the same thing as what God said about the land. And what did Caleb and Joshua say about the land? They said the same thing that God said about the land. We are well able to go up and to take this. So who was in sync? And who was in sync with what? And what was the results? What happened to the ten? They perished. What happened to people who believed the ten? They perished. What happened to Joshua and Caleb? (laughs) They were spared. They were taken in. And they took the land. So here's a question for you. Who or what are your thoughts in sync with? Who or what are your thoughts in sync with? Are they in sync with a doctor who gave you a bad report? Are they in sync with somebody at work who told you that you are nobody? That you're nothing? Are they in sync with people who put you down? Because that's what you heard? Or are you staying in sync with what the Word of God has said about you? Despite who comes. Despite who comes against you and says anything contrary. I wrote in my outline, had no room to put it in yours, but this is a, 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 a quote I heard from Keith. I'd written it down some time ago. And um, this just seemed to be a good place to use it. When there is despising in the heart, there is murmuring in the mouth. When the children of Israel, when the spies went out and they despised in their heart the things that God said. Because God said you are well able to take the land. Well able to take it. They despised that, didn't they? And they accepted something else. We are not able to go up and take the land. When there is despising in the heart, there is murmuring in the mouth. When I begin to murmur against the plan of God with my mouth, well, God, I don't think you have good things for me. I don't think I'm going to get that job promotion. I don't think I'm going to get that new job. I'm afraid that this is going to happen. I, I, I fear that this is coming upon me. I think this pain, I'm going to die. Whatever it might be, I'm getting out of sync of what God has said. But God has spoken things in His Word and to us directly. Has not God spoken to you? He has. 
But other things will come along and try and get you to tap into another network and apart from His. Because you see, you cannot be attached to God's network and attached to your flesh. You cannot be attached to God's network and attached to the, to the enemies. That's why Jesus came across Peter so sternly. Because he had disconnected from the network of God to connect to the network of the enemy. And he spoke very sternly to him. Very sternly. Has God not spoken to you? When we have a condition going on in our body and God has spoken to us, do this thing. And I do that thing until I run into problems. Whatever that thing might be. Now these are the standard ones we pick on. Just because I guess I'm not taking time to think of something else. But if God has told you to change your diet, don't raise your hand. Inside hand. How many of you God has spoken to you at some point you need to change your diet. You need to change the things that you're eating. God has spoken to you and told you down in your spirit you need to exercise. I mean, I mean people God has spoken that too. I've heard some of you tell me God has spoken to me I need to do this and you're not doing it. Why? It is impossible. Understand this folks. It is impossible possible to ignore what God says without despising it. It is impossible to ignore what God said and not be guilty of despising it. Because if I gave it reverence, I would do it. If I gave it reverence, I would do it. How many of you have ever read one of those books, How to Be a Millionaire? And they tell you some things that you ought to do. Because I admired them, I began to do them. Because I admired them. But after I hit some obstacles, I began to think, that was for him. That was for her. I can't make this work for me. And I began to despise it. And it lost its place in my life. And I had to stop doing those particular things. If God has told you to do some things, whatever it might be, Maybe it's a different attitude at work. Maybe it's pursuit of a different promotion. Whatever it might be, God has told you. We hit the obstacles because you will hit obstacles just like Israel hit obstacles when they went into the promised land. They saw big cities. They saw big people. They saw big weapons. They saw big stuff standing in their way. And those big things spoke to them and they said, you cannot defeat this. And it caused them to revere what was in the land and to despise what God had said. To revere what's in the land and to despise what God had said. But Caleb and Joshua had a different way of looking at this. They revered what God had said and despised what was in the land. We are well able to go up and defeat them. So let me put it to you this way. If God has told you to change your diet, God has told you to exercise. If God has told you to do something to benefit your physical body. If God has told you how to improve your prayer life. If God has told you how to improve your thought life. If God has told you how to improve your speech. How you talk with people. How you deal with. If God has told you that you can improve it. Then that means anything you come up against. 
that tells you contrary is nothing more or less than a giant in the land of Canaan. And how you look at that giant will determine where you go. Will you despise what God said and give reverence to your obstacle? Or will you revere what God said and despise your obstacle? What will you do? Get connected to God's network and stay there. Let His thoughts become your thoughts. Let His ways become your ways. Isn't that in the Bible? You see, you're thinking. I want to get synced up with, with the things of God. I want to get synced up with this. And when God sends you out, it's going to help you to change your diet. It's going to help you to exercise. Then God has a way for you to do it. And He didn't tell you for you to put it off a year. He told you to do it now. He's going to speak some things to you. This is what you need to do. Don't despise what God has said. Now, you might be able to conceal your thoughts for a time, but your words will eventually give them away as well as, as, well as your actions. I may be thinking in my mind, I cannot do what God has said for me to do, but in my, with my mouth, I'm saying, I can do it. I know I can do it. God has told me that I can eat salad and green things. I know I can do it. But inside, I'm saying I despise salad and green things. I will not eat them. You see, eventually that's going to come out, isn't it? I may be able to cover it up for a little while, but eventually it's going to come out. You cannot have despising in the heart without eventually having murmuring out of the mouth. Give honor to the things that God has said. I put this in your outline for you, the last thing. Change and guard your thinking. Change and guard your... You can't... Don't just change it. Guard it. Be on guard about that, what you're thinking. When wrong things come in, kick it out. Get it out. Get it away from you. Abhor what is evil. So if God has said to you, Steve... You can get on a treadmill and walk. I despise treadmills. Despise. I, in fact, you could probably use the word abhor. I abhor treadmills. Don't like being on them. I'd rather, much rather be out in the road than on a treadmill. But some of you folks like treadmills. Glory to God. You like them. I abhor them. You probably abhor the road like I abhor treadmills. Whatever it might be. Embrace what is good. And if God calls it good, it is Good. Embrace it. Despise what is evil. And anything that comes up in your thoughts against what God has said to do is good or evil? Is it beneficial for you? If it comes against what God has said, is there benefit in it for you? No. So, abhor it. It's destructive. It will hurt me to begin to think on those things. I'm not going to think on that. I can change what God has said to change. I can do what God has told me to do. Because God wouldn't have told me to do it 
if I couldn't do it. And anything that comes up that begins to tell you you're not going to get it done is nothing more than a giant. And speak to him just like Joshua and Caleb. Don't give them reverence like the other ten did. Speak to him like Joshua and Caleb. Understand, out of the twelve spies, we only know that we only remember the names of two of them. They're all in there. But we only remember the names of two of them because they're the only two that were worthwhile. The rest of them weren't. We don't remember their names. Change and guard your thinking. Would you all stand up with me? Father, you have spoken to us. They've spoken to us maybe in the last weeks, last months, last years. But along the line, we've been born again following after you. You have spoken to us. You have told us some things that we should do. Some directions that we should go. But the enemy is also trying to get us connected to his network and to speak other things to get us to be separated from those people that would help us. Separated from those things that we would do that would benefit us. Father, we need to abhor what is evil. We need to cling to what is good. We want to follow the advice that Paul has for us that is in your word and to do the things that you have said. For if you have told us that we can take the land, that we can make a change in our body, in our mind, in our direction, whatever it is, You have spoken to us a change and we can accomplish that change. As long as we stay connected to your network, think your thoughts, understand what you speak to us. Your ways become our ways and your strength becomes our strength. Father, we can do whatever it is that you have said to do. There are giants right now knocking on our door. We can look out on the land that we are to conquer and see the giants, hear the giants. And sometimes, Father, we have backed down to the giants. Even though we know the story of Joshua and Caleb, we still back down to the giants. Father, we can stand up against these giants in our life. We can tear these things down. And we can overcome. I give you the praise and the glory for it. No one looking around, every eye closed. If you have some giants in your life that have been speaking to you and telling you you can't accomplish what God has said to accomplish, raise your hand up. Father, you see the hands that were raised. I thank you, Father. That each one who's raised their hand is ready to speak to these giants differently than they have spoken before. They are ready to think differently than they have thought before. They are ready to overcome where previously they've had defeat. You never said the way would be easy. But if we're diligent, we hang on to what you say and don't let it go we will overcome 
And I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God.